kind of got this for me personally just this like revelation of union with Christ and that just absolutely like hijacked my life <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deconstructing Worship, a series of positive and constructive conversations about the current culture of modern worship. We are your hosts, Steve Quantic and Kyle Treble. Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I'm very, very excited to welcome Ian Yates tonight. Woo! Yay! <laughs> so um I've 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 known Ian for um, for a few years. I think um I was thinking back Ian, I think the first time I met you was when you did the Elam Sound album launch for the Elam 100 album and uh I was I was the electric guitarist. 2015 that would have been. 2015. Yeah. Wow. But would you like to just introduce yourself and just say um you know what uh, what you're up to and I think at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be on the podcast. Um uh, I've been listening to a few episodes already, so great job guys. I'm enjoying it. So oh, thank yeah. you man. Yeah, man. I'm Ian. I'm married to Kate. We have three children. Jackson who's 6, Elijah who's 4, and Abaya who's 2. So two boys and a girl. Um so Last last twelve months has been very challenging at times, many <laughs> many highs and lows. But um, yeah, I guess like I've been involved in I guess leading musical worship for oh, over twenty years, so I'm getting getting a bit old now as well. And um, you know, at the moment, um, I have the amazing privilege of doing music full time. So I'm kind of fifty percent of my time is of Elam Sound, which is the worship department for Elam churches in the UK across the globe and then the rest of the time is my own music as well which is really cool and um been doing that six years full-time which is amazing and before that i worked for the government for 15 years and the last five of them was part-time as a project manager and doing my own music as well which is really cool um i've been in the same church since i was seven um yeah, which is interesting, and it's the Elam Church, and my dad's the pastor there, so um, it's just really cool. Um, kind of led worship um, since I was like sixteen, I guess, and it's just been you know amazing. They gave they gave me a chance to lead worship in my dodgy red encore electric guitar, and <laughs> I could play G, D, and C, and some gracious people said have a go um, which is really cool one of the amazing things over the years i've been able to lead, to lead musical worship in loads of different contexts loads of different denominations and movements um and i count that a real a real privilege because um you know everyone's gets to do that so that's been amazing yeah i'm, I'm quite a deep thinker i'm not like a, a a theologian of a degree or anything but i'm into theology and thinking deep and that kind of stuff and yeah man that's a little bit about me that's awesome that's what, the, the first thing that, that popped into my head well actually i had two um the first one was i don't know many people that have been in like the same church since they were that young that's really <laughs> cool and that's what, honestly that's actually really refreshing um the, the question i had off the back of it just in regards to like worship music obviously being in that same church i, I was thinking i was like it's like have you obviously you've seen the progression of like worship culture Mm. um so what's what's that kind of been like for you like going obviously from a kid at seven and now then leading but like did you have you obviously you've noticed massive changes but anything like stands out wow yeah i think 
Well, it was funny because I was thinking about like the first time when I heard, I guess, church music and stuff. And, and the, the difference now is it's completely different, <laughs> different from when I was a kid. You know, you, maybe you'd have the, we'd have like the old choruses of Songs of Fellowship choruses, I think was it. <laughs> I remember it being a kid. But yeah, I guess like, I said the big, the biggest f- thing I'd probably seen is probably, probably the more the excellence or the people becoming better on the, on the, on the instruments. I think like, definitely you know when i even when i was like 15 16 they let they let me play with like probably out of tune guitar and you know and i guess most churches might not do that (laughs) anymore (laughs) and you know so i guess that's a that's a big thing and and style and i guess as well like not my particular church but i guess i guess church culture in general like the big stages all the all the production you know that, that was yeah, when I was starting out, that didn't really exist. So, um, yeah, a few things, yeah. Uh, that, that that was actually my second point. Um, it's like just letting you have a go when you were like 15 and I can play three chords, yeah, yeah. which is amazing <laughs> to me. Um, like, I think that's definitely got its pros and cons, hasn't it? Like the pros of it and like being a drummer, like I nerd out sometimes and I'll watch all these like gospel drummers just going absolutely mental and I'm just like, what? And I'm like, wow, this is so cool. But like, obviously like, all these, all these guys have built up these skills because they've been in a culture in church. And I, I've been there as well, where I think in any other kind of music, let's say industry, you have to be already at the top of your game to be able to play in front of, in front of people. Do you know what I mean? Um, but like church is that like avenue where you can be a kid like, at 15, like yourself, can like slightly play. And it's like, oh, come on, let's have a go. And you almost like, like all those gospel drums, I'm just like, I'm like, wow. Like, would they be at that level if it wasn't for that? Come on, let's just have a go. Well, it's interesting when I think about it, the keyboard player was like, it was, a, it was a really old guy. And he only had, um, like one of his fingers was chopped, like he had an accident. And so like, even stuff like that, like you, it's quite a church culture, I guess. And people who maybe, I don't know, um, weren't that profici- proficient to play and could actually join in. And I think that, that is quite special. That I always worry and think, would I let someone <laughs> have the opportunity <laughs> now? You know, if there was a 15-year-old like me came in, would I give them the same opportunity? Because yeah, you get into excellence and professionalism course, or whatever, it, it does change that. And it's, yeah. yeah. But there's something special about it, isn't it? There really is. It yeah. is. But like, it's got its pros and cons though, hasn't it? Like you, yeah. you, it's got that opportunity for people, which is so important. And actually giving people a voice and like, come on, let's just, let's just give it a go. But then there's, there's that side of like, you want the excellence and you want to mm. make sure that, you know, the congregation, the congregation people you're leading aren't, for lack of a better word, like subjected to like, some, like, <laughs> something that's going to be really pulling them out of like being able to focus. It's, I don't know. It's a it's hard one to weigh up, isn't it? I'm more on the side of just let them have a go, but I definitely see the other side of it as well. It's definitely interesting looking back. I, I, I guess as well, like we probably didn't have the PA like we have now as well. Do you know? So you could probably let someone just, you know, drift yeah. in, the, in the background as well. Whereas now I guess... The technical side of things has changed quite a lot in it so yeah we um we used to in a church i used to go to um and it's kind of cheeky but i mean i think this is a good way around it and be able to do both is uh, they used to get kind of people like you know like earlier on in their skill set people coming up and having a go and giving it a go um and what they used to do was just just turn them off 
<laughs> so they'd be up there playing and there's nothing coming through the front and like, that's a really good way of like giving them that like exposure to that scene and, and bringing up their skill set without it coming out like this <laughs> <laughs> is exciting i mean when i first played in in church like i had like an electroacoustic guitar that I would put play through um, a Zoom 606 multi-effects pedal. <laughs> and yeah, and I would have like, oh my gosh. And I would just have like intense like overdrives and like weird effects and stuff on, uh, on my, you know, because I was still learning about effects and stuff like that. Um, and they would let me kind of play in the worship team doing that. And I think it's just, it is, it is tough, isn't it? The, the entry point has changed, hasn't it, in, in some contexts. And there's also the other side of it as well, which is just like, I think some churches are just grateful to have people who can play at all, no matter how kind of well that is. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, we are, you know, I think in Elim, like particularly in my, my, in my experience, like we're very, very blessed to have in quite a lot of churches very very good musicians um but obviously that's not the case in you know in kind of all churches is it it's like yeah it's one of those one of those lovely uh lovely tight ropes that uh that we get to that we get to walk between inclusivity and excellence isn't it yeah Okay, so let's um, let's launch into our first our first question. You already kind of hinted a little bit at it, but um, but let's see if you can reach back into you know into into those those early days. Like, do you remember like what your first experience of congregational worship was? Well, we we lived in Birmingham till I was um, seven, and we moved to Liverpool, and um, so I was in an Elam church in Birmingham as well. My parents became Christians in it, and and so. I was, and you asked me, and I was thinking about this question. I thought when I was like five or six, and I remember in our church with Birmingham, and I was like a orangish kind of, I guess it wasn't a hymn book, but it must have been like a chorus book or something that everyone had, because I think there would have been, might have been before OHPs, who, who knows, you know what I mean, back then. <laughs> and we must have, it must have been Songs of Fellowship or something. Mm. So I don't remember like everything about it, but I remember there was, my mum always says now like I used to sing songs like Be Bold Be Strong you guys might not even yeah of course I know that yeah I know that. that oh yeah or, or This Is The Day <laughs> which yeah. yeah so I think those are probably they probably the first uh, memories I have uh, yeah yeah and I think they, the church had a band actually because my uncle played drums mm. um, so it would have been in the 80s so that was probably quite um, I, I remember actually a lot of people complained to him actually <laughs> <laughs> at the time for playing, playing drums in church but um, that's another story but um, but yeah so we were probably quite at our church at the time probably quite at the forefront of, of music really having having mm. a full band in that so yeah that's fantastic so those those great early songs because like, I remember those I remember the Songs of Fellowship books I remember you know Songs of Fellowship 2 <laughs> coming out and just like oh that's the really modern ones when you're picking songs from Songs <laughs> of Fellowship 2 you're really pushing the boat out you hear this a lot in, in churches often where people kind of talk about oh you know these new songs they're not as good as the old ones da, da, da. but actually just taking you know taking kind of you know a um kind of measured view do you think that there is anything that we've lost from those old songs that perhaps it would be good to recapture as we kind of rebuild and rediscover what worship culture looks like after you know over a year of pandemic i was having a conversation recently with um one of the theologians at the the, the Elam Bible College. We were just chatting. 
there's a scripture in um, and it says sing to one another psalms hymns and spiritual songs like well i probably used to do that a bit more it's a bit it feels a bit weird but like i guess you do like bind us together i don't know if you remember that one that was and you'd see you yeah. kind of look at each other it's a bit awkward wasn't it but i think like <laughs> you know <laughs> but that's an interesting one like i guess we don't really do that that very often these days do we i've experienced it a couple of times and it was a bit weird do you know what i mean but i think like the bible does say to sing sing to one another and um yeah i think that was probably people did that a bit more back then but um yeah i don't know if we if how we do that in a way which <laughs> mm. feels uh you know yeah because it can feel a bit cheesy looking into someone's eyes can't it and <laughs> and, and and singing to them so just kind of off the back of what we're already talking about i'm like oh i think i can you know i'm already getting a sense of the heart for worship that you have um but like, what would you say is like your favorite thing about congregational worship i love congregational but i also like i guess from a young age just getting my guitar in me as a teenager or in, me, in the bedroom and just like just pouring your heart out to god i think that was like that's really been and even now i don't get to do it as much as i'd, I'd like to at home but i think like that intimacy and that one to one to one has always mm. been something which has been yeah really really special for me and really you know got me through a lot of <laughs> a lot of tough times and challenges but i think congregationally i think i think like there's nothing better than the whole room i think being on the same page in one accord like whether that's like singing a song or you know singing in tongues or i don't know there's just some sometimes them atmospheres that ha- happen i think like we, we used to have these meetings in liverpool where like loads of young people would gather and um it's called the late night service and some of them were just like you know the pa was awful do you know what i mean the room wasn't cool do you know what i mean nothing was yeah. nothing was great but it was just everyone just came with a heart just to just to worship god and and then moments were just like, I don't get anything compares to it. I think it's like a taste of what we'll see, <laughs> you know, in heaven or whatever or whatever that yeah. after after life is. But when we're all together, kind of worshiping in one accord and one voice, and yeah, and, it, and just like in small in small services or even the larger ones, I've been able to, you know, be a part of leading worship, and that's been, you know just just amazing and occasionally i've been brought to tears in them moments you know because you're just like wow god like you're giving us this privilege to be in this in this position to be able to you know sing with all these people so yeah that's probably that's, that's probably a simple answer but that's probably like no that's that's really cool yeah so just off back of there like i'm just thinking like you was like oh you know the, the room wasn't cool and the pa kind of sucked and and like but <laughs> like the heart the heart was there do you yeah. mean and like just coming back to like the beginning like uh, the conversation we had at the beginning like excellence is so important like you know we're called toward ex- excellence like i think in everything we do not just musical worship we're called if god's given us something to kind of do let's do it with excellence or yeah. like just let's just not bother but i feel i feel like sometimes we can um, and obviously i'm just speaking my own mind but there can be like a bit of a trap there where we get caught up in this like it has to be excellent and then we forget the heart because I've been to like some conferences and like, 
you know, they've got all the lights and like, it looks like it could be a Beyonce show. Like it looks amazing. And I think all this stuff is amazing. It's super cool. And it's such a great tool. Um, but I think we can get lost in that side of stuff. And then we forget the heart and, and you go to these big conferences and you're like, I mean, I was fine. And it, it should, and, but like the little youth conference down the road in the little kind of community center where you had like, I don't know, a speaker that was like, you know, 10 inches by 10 inches and that was all you had, whatever. And it was like one of the most best, like most amazing experience you've ever had. Yeah. What would you like, have you, uh, have you experienced that? Obviously, cause I know you are being word, leading worship for a really long time, but yeah, I'd love to hear your voice on that. Yeah, like it's funny because um, so like I've had the privilege of traveling all, all over the place over the years, and um, it's a couple of guys who have played with me for like ten years, um, and we always say like, what is the the moments, and at the moments that you wouldn't think. So we remember going to a church in Hoyk in Scotland, and we were the first band to ever like do an event in that little like the, ch- the church had never had a guest team come in the PA was like shocking do you know what I mean like the room <laughs> again wasn't cool at all and you rock up and you're like oh man and then suddenly wow like these people yeah. are here for one purpose do you know what I mean and it's like yeah wow and we always laugh we say all of our favorite moments are always at the places that I guess you wouldn't kind of expect none of them had amazing setups none of them had you know thousands of people they were all small just place places where people had to half for God and yeah, loads of them moments really just it's funny because I even think of some of the bigger conferences I've done and sometimes you come away going, I don't even know like like what I like like yeah, what was what was that? What that? Yeah. <laughs> like we did the we did a big conference, me and Sam, and we always say to this day, like we have no idea, like we just have I don't know if it's because of the number of people like the people say that, but you had no idea like the vibe or the what was going on in the room. Whereas I think in a smaller setting, it's just it's more raw. I guess you get yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, but we always say the smaller, even the ones with the really bad PAs, and like or you just like stressed out trying to sound check five minutes before it starts, and then like suddenly you start and you're like, wow, this is like you know. This is where you want to be. So yeah, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I, th- I, th- I think the, the thing that came to me then was like, use what you've got in your hand. And I, yeah. I think like, cause you can do the small stuff, the stuff like, you know, you, you rock up to the venue and there's nothing there. Uh, but like you yourself are still doing it with 100% excellence. Mm. So I think so like, I think excellence can be seen in a- anything, mm. but it's it, it, in those small places. Or, I mean, it could be a big place with shocking sound as well, but the excellence comes from the heart of the person rather than, mm. hey, look at this amazing venue I'm in. Oh, let's just wing it. We'll be all right. Yeah. Do we like kind of need to, you know, shift or expand our definition of, of excellence? Does that need to kind of move the goalposts need to move a little bit on that? Because like you said, like exactly, you said exactly what I was thinking, Carl, that actually, um, is there kind of like an excellence of intimacy? Um, mm. Like, um, like, cause you know, what, what, what I was thinking about um, earlier when you were talking about, you know, those moments in the secret place, those moments when you're kind of worshiping in your room, um, you know, by yourself. Mm. And, you know, that's obviously very kind of Davidic and, you know, he, he, you know, built such solid, intimate foundations with God in the secret place. But also, like, when that kind of, when those kind of connected room moments happen, no matter what size the room, 
I feel like there's something quite intimate about that as well. It feels strangely intimate, even if quite a large number of people are experiencing that together. But does it come down to when people enter a worship setting, not as consumers or connoisseurs, but as, you know, people who are, like you say, just there for one reason? It could be it could be somewhere else, you know. What I mean, I think like um, well, uh, we had Lois Seco in episode four, and um, and she was kind of talking about uh, leading worship in in the barn, which is like this little barn in in the, in the sticks in Cardiff, and it's one of my favourite worship settings I think to this day that I've ever been to. And I think a part of the specialness of it was that it happened on a Friday, and everybody had had a whole week at work and hadn't had a Saturday to recover before going to church. And so everybody who was there, they were there because they wanted to be. It's a massive difference, isn't it? Makes a massive difference. And it? it's funny because the late night service, some people have been putting like some videos up recently from like 2012, 2013. And it's electric, do you know what I mean? The atmosphere, people are just there. Because I guess like, it's an old part of Christian culture. Now, sometimes you pay to go to a, a worship service or an event and, you know, but yeah, it's different. It's a different dynamic, isn't it? But if you if you just go on for one, if everyone's there for one purpose, I think there's a there's, there's a massive. It shifts the atmosphere in the room. It's different, isn't it? And it's a, you know, it is yeah, special. Yeah, mm. missed them times actually thinking about it. It's been a while. Well, <laughs> 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 and to ask a quick question, because you were talking about like you said like. Uh, your favorite thing being uh, like intimacy in, in in worship. Um, I think I, I like, and I'll put this word to Steve. Like, I think we should probably rephrase our question there because I think I love. I think both they're very, very different things, aren't they? Like, like just on your own intimate worship compared to corporate congregational worship. Very different things. Obviously, you're worshiping the same God, but it's a different experience. Um, like, my favorite thing too is the intimacy between myself and God in in worship. What, what would you say, like, your experience, and obviously this is going to be different for everybody, but your experience of kind of that intimacy on your own in your bedroom compared to the intimacy that you would have um, in, congregationally? Yeah, I think um, some of it's been quite similar. Um, like, I've heard people say sometimes what overflows, you know, I guess in, on a stage or on a platform comes from the quiet place. I've heard that, and mm-hmm. I think there's probably some truth in it. Um so I've definitely, I've definitely seen both, and I think, like I, I probably wouldn't say it this way, but a lot of people like years ago used to say Ian was a presence guy, so they'd trying to book me to experience the presence of God. Maybe we'll get onto that a bit later, but which was an interesting, it's been an interesting journey for me, and I think, you know, there's always, I guess, like I think with the intimacy and then personal account and encounters with God. I think I've always been quite sensitive to the tan- like a tangible presence of God, and um, so, and I, I, I would say like some of the corporate times have been absolutely like I've had some crazy, like some really crazy times in God's presence, like really crazy, and I've been some scary ones, like some scary holy moments where you're just like flat out on, on your face and you're meant yeah. to be leading people in, in in music and worship and but it's like the presence of god in that room is like whoa <laughs> like mm-hmm. a people call it creepy creepy glory or whatever <laughs> but like it is like there's the whole holiness of god and i think like i've seen that more in in corporate gatherings actually like that kind of like whoa 
I guess like that Isaiah moment <laughs> what was me I'm undone mm. but um, yeah so yeah they, they've they been some life life changing moments as well <laughs> yeah definitely yeah that's me I, I, I kind of want you to kind of dive deeper into the presence guy thing what's that all about well I think I don't know it's just what people started calling me Ian the, Ian's the presence guy or you know <laughs> they'll take it into the presence of God I think people would experience god i guess in their way when i would lead worship and i guess that's kind of how they would ex- explain it really or they would say oh you know if he in here he can lead us into the holy of holies or whatever they would say and um yeah which is in- interesting <laughs> interesting stuff and i think if i'm honest like my heart was or and, and still is like 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 I think when you've experienced God's presence in a, in an amazing, powerful way, you know you kind of like you want more of it. You kind of want to experience God on a deeper level. And I guess through history, you see different different people who have experienced God, like the mystics of uh, Christian history. You know, not mystic Meg, but like you know people who <laughs> I guess who are, who have been uh, you know just experiencing God's presence through history. You know, you, you, I guess you develop a hunger for that, or you want to see more of it. So that was kind of part of my journey as well. And um, you know, I was writing a lot of songs about that at the time, and kind of uh, being desperate for God's glory and His mm. presence and and that kind of thing. So that's really it's really interesting. Um, like hearing you talk about that because you you hear you hear that kind of like the quotes of like, oh, that person's really anointed for that. Or like, you know, you get the healing guys or you get like the prophetic guys or I'm, and I'm using the, the term guys kind of multi-gender. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but because you do hear that, but I'm, I am in the belief of like, I don't, I don't think any one person is more anointed than another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all have access to heaven. Like the Holy Spirit lives like fully and holy in me just as he lives fully and holy in, in you in you guys and, and everyone and everyone else um but I, I, like the way i interpret that is like i kind of think of like i don't know and maybe like a mountain a mountain guide like mm. you, like i feel like you can lead people places better when you've been there yourself do you know what i mean yeah and i think it that i think there are definitely is callings on people's lives um I think anointing is definitely something different because I hear it a lot. Like oh, that guy's so anointed for that, and you're like, "What?" So the rest of us are just what are we? Like, like do you know what I mean? Um, what? Yeah. What would you kind of like talk about that sort of stuff? I've always, uh, yeah, I've. I used to think it was cool. Like I used to be into all that, and people say, "Oh, he's, he's anointed or whatever." I think like the last eight years, I've been on a bit of a I guess deconstructing journey of of my mm. life, and uh, and um. Yeah, this was a big, big part of it, really. I think at the time, you know, I was really like we were experiencing God in in different ways. And when I'd lead worship, you know, sometimes we'd there'd be an incredible presence of God and ta- very tangible, and people in the room would say that. And and um, you know, I guess like me, I I was kind of on a journey of like I want to see more of that. I want to see more of God's glory. I was I wrote a song called "Desperate to See Your Glory," and and then I had this amazing encounter with God, where I felt like you said to me, Ian, everything you've longed for, you've already got. Wow. And I was like, wow. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, all this stuff I've been longing for, you've you've already have it, you know. And I kind of got just for me personally, just this like revelation of union with Christ, and not just absolutely like 
hijacked my life <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it actually like wrecked my life in a, in a way um, because yeah a lot of I guess like at the time I was kind of like you know you go somewhere and you'd be expected to lead people into the presence of God or I kind of wanted to get to that place and like God I thought God was saying to me Ian you've already got it like I'm already, mm-hmm. I'm in yeah I'm, I'm with you I'm here already and that kind of like really like yeah shifted a lot for me um yeah like change <laughs> it really changed my life and I think stuff like that the, the anointing phrases and I think it's people just trying to use language to describe what the what the scene or experiencing but I don't think it's helpful because you then put people on a pedestal don't you or yeah. there's the anointed man of God and yeah you know or there's there, there's the anointed woman of God and it's like it's actually just this, I'm, I'm realizing now as I'm getting older we're all exactly the same <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean so but like, I think you said I think you said it beautifully though like, and, you, and you kind of like um referred to it earlier you're talking about like like what comes out of you in the kind of like corporate places is what's kind of built up in in those private mm-hmm. places isn't it and you were yeah. talking about it Steve with, with like with David and it's that it's not that that person is more anointed it's that they've been there do you know I mean like in their private spaces they've been to those places so kind of like that mountain tour guide kind of analogy you know you can lead people then because you've been there it's not that you it's not that like you Steve or you Ian carry the glory of God more than anyone else but you've been there so you you, you know you can you can take people there in a way that maybe some people who haven't had that experience could yeah definitely yeah and i think like I, you, you, you meet people along the, the the road the journey don't you you kind of you see that they've been they've been like somewhere with god on a journey gone it oozes out of them you know people who are just yeah. full of joy but you find out the story is like so sad and it's like broken but like they've come out of it and then you just you meet them and they just ooze mm. joy and so yeah it's, it's a special one yeah. Um, could you just like give us a bit more insight just into your journey regarding like the theology of worship and how your understanding of that has progressed as you've like you know I've been leading worship for 20 years now how has your kind of theological understanding of it progressed yeah I think as I said like I had this incredible encounter with God which for me was like just this revelation of I'm one with Christ I'm in union with Christ like if I'm in union with Christ he, do, he doesn't go he doesn't he doesn't come and go he's not he's not like the holy cokey man one one foot in one foot out you know he's I'm, I'm permanently like I'm per- permanently attached to him I'm permanently in union with him and I think that um, it really changed everything <laughs> for me like because there was songs that I was singing or songs that were I guess at the time my most popular songs or whatever I couldn't sing them anymore because I was like oh man like, like why am I asking God to do this and this when I've when I've already got like he's here mm. do you know what I mean and so I think like around that time I was asking lots of big questions in my life as well so it's been it's been an interesting interesting journey when it comes to to, to kind of I guess worship and I think um one thing I, I I look back on and think, you know, when you get when you get like when you feel like you get a fresh revelation from God, you want to tell all your mates, don't you? You want to like tell everybody, and you want to tell them, I've got the new, I've got the new way, uh, the, the the new the, the new revelation is gonna change your life, and you just start telling people, and then you realize actually like you can actually 
you can actually hurt people and say things that <laughs> you know that are, that are gonna upset them because like they're on a different journey or they've or you've just squashed their twenty year experience with God and you're saying you found a higher way or a better way. And um that's one thing I learned quite straight away because I was like, Oh, you can't sing this song anymore, you can't sing that song, or I won't sing that one. And you kinda like you're just excited because you've had this this amazing revelation. But I realized that a lot of it wasn't helpful, especially for some of my close friends. If we were putting a set list together or a song list for the conference, and I'd be like, Oh, I can't sing that song anymore, guys, you know what I mean? And they'd be like, Oh like what? <laughs> so it's quite awkward, like, but um but that that was a massive a massive game changer for me and you know, yeah, over the years just kind of I think like I probably used to think you had to sing so many songs or whatever to experience God in a in a in a special way or, you know, mm. had to be half an hour or, you know, you had to keep going until this this magical thing happened. And I think I shifted and and it's like God is already here in his fullness, you know, from the first chord. He was already he was already there. Do you know what I mean? We we just turned into up into the room, but he was already there. He's in the room, he's in us. And that, that kind of changed like, like so much. Like, yeah, my perspective on <laughs> how I guess a lead congregational musical worship changed mm. changed a lot really. And um yeah, if I'm totally honest, I stopped I stopped like asking God to come. Like I just never did it again. And mm. um I'd have people come up to me and say, Oh Ian, which is interesting that they would say it was their word. I normally takes me three or four songs before I feel God's presence. But with you, the first song, I feel God's presence. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, that's interesting that people are saying that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like asking God to, to move in the room or come or whatever. That that wasn't kind of like I was just mm. believing He's already, He's mm. already there. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of. No, it's it's really interesting. And actually, like not not long not long ago, we were we were on a walk with um, our, our pastors of our church. Um, and uh, one of the leaders we were just talking about this type of thing actually and he was talking about you know songs where it's you're talking about um like god send the rain send your rain sort of thing and she was like she's like it's already raining she's like we don't like we're asking you know god send your anointing or send your glory or or, or all the all the words but like the rain's already already here so you must like that is it's such a different way of thinking about god so like being someone who you know is is kind of charged with leading people into worship you must lead very differently going from that god won't you please it makes me think of um the song you know holy spirit you are welcome here um it makes me think like that song and i'm like like of course the holy like, you know it's a nice sentiment holy spirit you're welcome here but i mean he's already here like, do you know what I mean, it's it, yeah. So I 100% with you. Like we've been on that journey lately of kind of going, cause we've been on this kind of like deconstructing um, kind of journey. And there's been some songs that have popped up where I've gone, Oh, hang on. Huh? I don't know if I can, I can't sing that with like conviction anymore. Cause I'll sing it. And there's a bit of me going, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Um, and so it's been really interesting. So like being someone who, is very actively involved in worship. It must have been quite a jump for you going from two different ways of thinking. It wasn't. I, I remember going to, a, I won't say what song, I remember going to a meeting and um, there was one particular song and every time I hear people singing it, I felt like throwing up. 
because I was just like, I can't. That's a severe response. Yeah, I just can't. Like, this is like just like so opposite of what I what I believe God's just told me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm mm. and like, is yeah. But I think over the years I've kind of realized like like it, that all them sentiments and desires aren't they? They're all harsh desires from people. People who want to encounter God, who want to experience mm. God in a way, and on their journey right now. And I, you know that's how they're ex- expressing it whereas i think at first i was like oh, get away from me Do you know <laughs> i'm not singing that or i can't I, I, you know or i wanted to throw up when a certain song was, <laughs> was sung or whatever whereas i think now i'm kind of like okay like it's just how they're expressing themselves in the moment mm. but i think if i can be so bold i think like you, you miss out if if it has you have to have four special songs to to get you into the the special fuzzy feeling or encounter yeah like, like it's actually i think we're missing out because it's, it's a whole life it's a life of encounter it's a life of god's presence it's not just like the amazing you know we have a musical excellence and the pads and all the things that can make us you know have hairs on our neck stands up and all that and that's all great you know what i mean but actually if it's only that when we experience the, the presence of god or we feel close to god I think I think we're really we're really missing out. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. I, I I think just the Christian walk in general, and 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 then even more how much that would empower us as worship leaders as well as like congregation members, if we would just kind of like realize that the entirety of who Jesus is, who 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 God is, is already there. It's just our awareness of it. I guess would you mm. say? Yeah, I think like I I don't know. I don't know if it's the perfect analogy, but one was like a ra- the radio waves are always, it's always there. Sometimes you just have mm. to just dial into radio uh, one or yeah, whatever. Okay. And I wonder, I don't know if that's the perfect example, but I think there's something no, like in it. that to kind of say like, hey, like, you know, yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's been, it's been, a, <laughs> it's been, it's been a long journey for me on it, to be honest. And, and it's, it's, I've had a lot of wrestling with it and, and grappling mm. it but i think i think our language is is really important and if the fullness of god in christ dwells within us like that's that's scripture do you know what i mean it's, yeah it's yeah. like you know if we believe that it changes it's, i think it changes it everything um as, as you say so yeah mm. yeah i wanted to, i wanted to just quickly go back on something there was something that's really stood out to me and i thought it was so it's so important especially obviously our, our podcast being called the deconstructing worship podcast and there's a lot of people at the moment on this kind of like deconstructing journey and like you know these big revelations that people are learning and stuff but i think it was such a humble thing for you to say earlier of you you know you're learning all these new things and you know sometimes it would be quite detrimental to be like sharing this with people who aren't maybe quite on the same journey and things like that. But it's scripture, isn't it? Like, I I can't end the scripture exactly, but it's like, don't allow your freedom to let someone else stumble. I think that's like, just in these conversations we're having, not saying that anyone's on this higher level than anyone else. Mm. It's just, it's time and different journeys and stuff, isn't it? I think that's a really important thing that you said, buddy. So thank you. No, well, I, I remember like, say, I don't know, say a song like Draw Me Close To You. You know, you could say actually you're already you can't get any closer to God already. Like, but like, you tell someone who that song's been ministered into them for twenty years, like that's the song yeah. for them, and you go and tell them, 
Yeah, do you know what? Like that's a load of rubbish. Like you're actually already yeah. close to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you can you can yeah, upset yeah. them, aren't you? Do you know, 100%. of course. And I think like it's kind of I think what I've learned is everyone's as you say everyone's on a, on the journey. We're all at different stages. Some people have got different revelations about different things, and I think you've got to be gracious. Like you know, just because you got a new <laughs> the new revelation, or you feel like wow, like this has changed my life. I've, I've realized like just being gentle around people with that because you don't want to cause them to stumble you don't want to you don't want to like yeah it doesn't help does it when you when you fall out with people as well so yeah man. yeah because i think um like when i first kind of started my deconstruction journey i think like i had I ended up with just a lot of anger um and just a lot of oh why don't people see it in this exactly this way because it's so <laughs> evident it's so you know so clearly like this why don't more people see it like this and yeah and thankfully you know like um, I've, I've connected up with you know a bunch of people who are like had basically you know like yourself included uh, who had kind of come through the deconstruction journey and had kind of reached you know i think there's an ongoing wrestling but I'd reached some sort of resolution with a lot of the things that that i was you know that i was struggling with um i think that's it isn't it it's just like sometimes the the best way to um yeah, the best way to kind of have unity is to not kind of pursue like uniformity because I think we can get those two mixed up, right? Yeah. Um, like, like we can get those things mixed up because, like, I think for me, you know, in my kind of most irritated moments, like, it it looked like no, everybody needs to believe this, everyone needs to see this. And that's just that's just a different, you know, that's that's a different type of religiosity, isn't it? So until the eighties, Pentecostals believed God was already present. And we worshipped God through music, through song, through the whole service, knowing we were filled with the Spirit of God and God was present with us. We were in, in Christ basically. And then in the eighties and then and the nineties it, it kind of shifted. It became more I guess like a journey into the presence of God or you know a journey of becoming closer to God through the song worship um so yeah it's kind of like yeah it's a little that, that was and it it was really good for me to kind of go oh okay so these things that I've been wrestling with actually you know the not that long ago people actually didn't actually what people thought while I was thinking you know and kind of like I guess there's this kind of new, a new model. And there was kind of um, like people say about the worship journey of going into the Holy of Holies. And, you know, I've, there's some, I think there's some good in that. But also I think I wondered if that kind of created, you know, the, the fast song, the medium song, the slow song. And then mm. we get into this holy presence of God moment. Um, I guess worship, praise and worship didn't really exist until the 80s. Wow. Um, when when a record label created the genre, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then and then in the nineties they created just a genre worship like that was really interesting. Like it didn't actually people never called what we do <laughs> on a Sunday morning with a band. They never used to visit to call that worship until then, which is really that's fascinating. It's also that's also really, really interesting. interesting yeah. Mm. yeah. So I'm just really like. I've just I've just found myself throughout this conversation like just getting quite getting quite emotional just about just hearing you talk about just the idea that you know that yeah that God is 
is is you know that we are always with god and god is always with us and we don't kind of you know it's like it kind of makes me think of you know those old kind of 16-bit video games you know where you kind of get to the boss level you know i mean you solve a puzzle in the first room and then you kind of get to the next one and then eventually you know there's like the boss and you know and it's like you know the big experience you know what i mean you just kind of like go through it in stages or levels um but i love that i'm i'm just so in love with the idea that god's yeah we are we're already in the presence of god and we Mm. just we just get to worship him it's fantastic awesome yeah i think as well like like for me like probably before that moment of kind of that the reality i was like i was in these meetings if you were trying to push push through no breakthrough pull down like it, there was all kinds going on in these things and I, I believed that I was in it you know what I mean I was like longing for more we'd like we'd experience God's presence and it was beautiful we wanted to experience more of that and so I think like I was quite like <laughs> involved in that stuff and there was like this moment of like boom like actually like all that stuff you've already you've already got it like it's like yeah mm. it's Awesome. Kind of takes take, takes the pressure off, actually. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. And I think that's that's what God is in the business of, isn't it? Of just kind of taking the pressure off, like you know, just kind of just going like, you know what? Actually, like you know, you don't have to worry about the sacrificial system. You don't have to worry about all these kind of ritual things. Just 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 love the person of Jesus, and just get to know Him. And it's just like just just you know that other stuff fine good you know if it was a useful vehicle for a time you know then fine but let's move past that stuff so you talked earlier about um yeah, just about how the your understanding of some of your songs changed like desperate to see your glory and things like that and like your kind of journey with that and then this um this ep called deconstruction volume one appeared which speaking as you know a man who um has just has just got his first baritone guitar which is uh <laughs> it's just sitting on the wall behind me um the kind of sludgy dark guitar tones brought me to a happy place um <laughs> it was wonderful <laughs> um but um but I, I guess like you know the questions i would have were one what was the kind of the journey that led you to write that ap and two it's called just deconstruction volume one when's volume two coming out great question well i've actually never talked about this so i've done an interview about the deconstruction ep ever which is quite i've done stuff all the other albums have done but uh but yeah i think um i guess like for me not not to box it off but the elam sound stuff i see more as that's congregate like i do a lot of songwriting so songwriting is like probably my main passion for me really so i guess the elam sound stuff is more congregational for the elam movement and in my own music, my dream has always been that it would reach outside the church walls. Um, you know, I, not, not to go too much, but I, I saw Delirious in, in 1997 and that changed my life in the Manchester Apollo. And that was the moment. It's just like, whoa, like whatever this is, you know, that was it was in me. And, um, and so that's always been a massive, like, I guess, um, desire for me is to write songs that kind of, stride the church and you know me mate who's you know just just split up with his girlfriend or you know someone who's lost a child or so that's kind of always been always been my heart and it's, 
it's been quite tough because it's not really a, a, a genre <laughs> for that mm. or like all or a, a marketing um strategy or a, even an audience in some way i think so it, but anyway the, the record label that i'm on with trevor michael seven core music he was like uh, i'm always writing different stuff and i had like these load of songs that were i guess a bit more um i don't know quite i guess rocky and a bit more like asking big questions and yeah just they would never fit on a on a, on a sunday morning or even you know doing it doing a, a church event or anything so yeah and we just put it out and it was just me kind of wrestling <laughs> over the last you know seven eight years it's like the like guy richard Rohr, who's incredible he is he's a, a franciscan um, priest and you yeah. know he's really helped me <laughs> on my journey <laughs> And he, he he talks about uh, you know this order, this order and reorder, and I guess like kind of the the deconstruction project kind of came out of came out a bit of that, and um, yeah, like two things like within that as well, like theology, asking big questions, you know, the big questions that most people are asking but don't want to ask, and so asking those them after over the years, but also like I went to Cambodia, and um. We went. We met these these people in Cambodia, and um, Elam have got a, a, um, a charity out there. And I met this lady who was, you know, short version. She was abused as a child, like terribly, like really terribly. Ended up getting thrown on the streets. Other stuff happened, and then she ended up getting raped by a white guy. And then she had this baby, and um, I was missing my four year old at the time. And I meet this little girl, beautiful little girl, and um, it's like wow, like <laughs> how like how and then like I found out the story about her life, and like that's just like just messes messes you up. You like it just broke me to to bits, and you know seeing seeing that little girl like so beautiful, and and like it's I come out of hell. Do you know <laughs> like it's like the worst situation but that's what god does and um i think like as part of my journey even just wrestling with that whole concept and like how god can can do something so beautiful out of that broken situation like it's yeah <laughs> and like you know just like the whole brokenness of life and people's lives and you know i guess my heart is just wanting to see god you know people experience god in, in that brokenness so little that's a little bit about one of the songs. The other song was "Belly of the Beast," which is kind of, I guess, like a, a nice analogy of, I guess, the Jonah story or a picture of of being in in the belly of the beast and going through a death and uh, coming out getting spit out. I guess, and kind of like I guess, I guess with a deconstruction, even though it's become a bit of a naughty word, hasn't it recently? And I think in a few <laughs> circles, I, I, I think like. I I, I kind of say like if it leads to something like a oh a, a resurrection or a reconstruction I think yeah that's good I think if you deconstruct keep deconstructing I'm not sure how uh, <laughs> if you don't mm. get back to some kind of order or reorder I'm not sure how how good it is but I think um you know that kind of songs about that really just just kind of going through them massive questions in life and um yeah that's kind and I think now I'm like in this place of a lot of mystery and kind of embracing it and kind of going okay i don't actually know <laughs> i don't know this like 
as yeah. I get older, I don't know as much as I used to, but I'm getting okay with that, you know. Mm. And um, I don't know why this happens. I don't know why X, Y, and Z, but I know God's good, and so I'm gonna em- I'll embrace it for that, <laughs> really. Yeah. But yeah. I think I actually I listened to um, Belly the Beast just before the podcast actually, um, oh. I without kind of like kind of going oh my god it was amazing like I actually really love that 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 track but I think oh. the things that hit me so far I haven't listened to the entire EP yet but the things that hit me was literally what you were saying of um, like you're touching on subjects that we we just we just don't. Um, in kind of like you know your modern CCM and I'd, like and, and in some ways you know I don't think you know we there should be I definitely think you know there there needs to be another avenue of music too you know I think there's there's definitely a time and a place for you know the music that we're we're currently singing of that more more declaration um, those 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 things that like you know pull you forward in life I think there's, they've definitely got their places too but like I, I want I want there to be more music of what I've been hearing from yourself like like talking about those you know that situation you said about in Cambodia and and things like that because we don't and I think on the other side that the flip the flip side of um having the type of music that we have in CCM as much as like I love a lot of it is it can be very surface level and we don't kind of get into the nitty-gritty of the human experience and you know, you know, life sometimes is awful. Yeah. And like, there's a, there's a song, and I'm probably going to butcher the lyrics. It's a song by um, uh, Judah and the Lion, a band called Judah and the Lion, um, called Beautiful Anyway. Um, and the, the, it's amazing. Check it out. It's, it's super yeah. good. But like the, the end of the song, and I'm, as I say, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, and that's it's something like, and that's what makes life so uh, wonderfully awesome, yet... Um, horribly awful but somehow it's beautiful anyway mm. like i think that mm. just those lyrics there just sums up life doesn't it and i think we can as a kind of worship kind of brand or or, or kind of genre we can be quite surface level what mm. would you like what obviously because you've had lots of different experience of writing different types of worship music what's your kind of experience there yeah, well, yeah, there's, there's even a song about Donald Trump on there, isn't there? And <laughs> <laughs> was being a bit naughty, calling him out a few years ago. Anyway, we won't go there. But um, I think, <laughs> but I think, um, I think, I don't think the genre of worship is is helpful because um, I think it's created a, a box. Where, you know, it has it's created it has to be a certain and style, and I think it's quite sad. I think like. I remember, like, even in the UK, like, 2007, 2008, there was all kinds of bands. Do you know what I mean? You had, like, you know, like, yeah, the band with no name. You had some girl bands. You had some rock bands. The bands like Steve, White Friday. You don't, have, you don't really have that anymore, mm. which I think... Mm. And it seems like a lot of people just want to kind of emulate, you know, the the great sound that has been created for, for, for church songs. But I think... I think there's got to be more. It's got. It's got to be a, but it's hard. It's hard to sustain it. Like it's mm. not many people are doing it because it's not profitable. Like there is literally, you know, like no one. Like when I did that album, that EP, it was like I had people messaging me going, "Can you just write songs? Some of the songs that you have, 
you know, for church instead of writing um, <laughs> writing songs like this, you know. Songs like, about Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Angus <laughs> Belly of the Beast is one of them as well. And so you're like, oh, okay. Um, but I, I think, like, yeah, we do, you spot on. I think we need to be to have that creativity and people, some of that depth, I think. Um, and there is people, in, especially in the States, who are doing it really well, I think, as well. But just that more of that depth and honesty and the paradox and the and the tensions and that i think um i think people want to want to talk about that as well at the moment i think people are interested in that stuff so just very quickly before we move on to our third and final question um is there going to be a deconstruction volume two hopefully steve yeah i've been writing a lot of angry songs the last the last year and a bit so maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, not that bad but yeah i think yeah. um yeah that, that, that there's a I think like hopefully you might do a few different volumes like to be honest with you we're just doing it for fun because it's uh it's i think what's what's sad as well i think like what i've found is and i hope this changes for people coming through is sometimes it was too mainstream for christians and then it's too christian for yeah. the mainstream you know so you might send it to a radio station and you're like it's definitely on par with quality wise because of some of the themes or the lyrics you know some of the feedback we've had is that and i think that's it's really hard and i think delirious had that as well didn't you know yeah. they said radio one wouldn't play their songs and i think that's a real it's a it's a real shame but yeah maybe one day it will well justin mm. bieber's done a new ep hasn't he well some cracking lines in that not sure i like all of it but some cracking lines he's put in there so yeah who knows <laughs> yeah but then i guess like the the kind of flip side of that is like you know the i've heard i've i've like yeah I've, i think I've, I've seen one comment about uh about like justin bieber's ep particularly that i really agree with is like you know a christian ep being you know of, of course i i think you know i think authentic but it i don't know does it maybe do more harm than good if it's just a novelty thing rather than him just writing continually mm. writing songs that integrate his faith into his songwriting experience you know what i mean um, believers please don't come after me i know you i know you i know you <laughs> have <laughs> you know. um but you know not, not that i'm going in on justin Bieber because i think you know i really i do i do really enjoy his music and i think it's just like but you know i think maybe like you say maybe it's what's profitable uh maybe it maybe it's just because it is more it's, it's easier to put in a streamlined box this is justin bieber's christian ep rather than you know, listen to Justin Bieber's entire back catalogue, including songs like Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, Because the Bible Tells Me So, and Baby, 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 Ooh. Um, <laughs> um, actually, I have no idea. I've, I haven't listened to his EP, actually. I probably should, actually, before kind of, you know, you know part, going in on the passing, passing there's, some, there's actually comment. like a, a I, I, won't, I won't give my own my opinion, but there is some cracking, la there's some really raw, honest, like, lines in there, which I think are, you know, you yeah, really quite. quite I'll have to check it moving. out. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, have it's actually kind of been talking about this with a, a few people, like, well, two people um, recently. Um, do you know the rapper DMX? I've, I know, I know that he he passed away recently. Yeah, so like, I mean, my kind of early teens, I'd say, like, I don't know, kind of thirteen. You know, when you first start to get a sense of your own taste in music and and then probably up until about 17 18 like my my the only music i ever really listened to was was hip-hop and and rap and and stuff like that um and like dmx's music was a massive part of my kind of especially early teens like massive and 
like i mean it's it's you know for lack of a better term it's you know it, the genre is gangster rap and you know he's talking about stuff that um i, I posted about it the other day because it's, it's really sad what happened um but for like a lot of people would say it's you know it's very very unchristian lyrics you know you could imagine what you know that scene are kind of talking about for the for the most part but like obviously it's his experience of life and it's it's like not to kind of like negate what he's gone through but not also to kind of like champion that way of living either um but like the first time I ever heard anyone pray was on a DMX album. Like on every wow. album, there would be a track called Prayer. And I remember being like 14 year old. I bought the new DMX album and I've got it on in my bedroom and he's got a few tracks and it's like, he's talking about kind of his walk in his life and his walk with God. And he's just this one, one track and it's called, just called Prayer. And I posted a little bit the other day and it's like, it's so powerful, like so powerful. So I think like, you know, Justin Bieber putting out little things here and there, like to, to the majority of people, it probably will be kind of like, ah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing, but you know, there may be that one kid that goes, mm. this is the first time I've ever heard anyone mention Jesus in my entire life. Wow. And yeah. that, do you know I mean, like I think back to my life, like that was a seed, like hearing this guy that I would like, you know, I need, I needed those lyrics at the time. Some of them may not have been the best, but like a lot of his music really helped me at a time in my life when I needed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then to hear to hear the name Jesus when I haven't heard it anywhere else in my life was super powerful. Yeah, man. Wow. So the third question that we ask each and every one of our guests, and we've talked about a lot of stuff, but I guess if you could try and crystallize it into one thing, uh, if you could like, you know, wave a magic wand or snap your fingers and change one thing forever about uh, worship culture, what would it be, Ian? I think I've already touched on it a bit, but I think I probably, um, this is quite a lot I'd like to change probably, but but I think... Um, the emphasis on our worship bringing us closer to God, um, I, I really struggle with that, and I think it's been used as like a marketing tool. So, like, mm. you know, I've seen, you know, some I guess bigger, big artists and people I know, and on their on on their PR, it, it says these songs will bring you closer to God, and I think I don't know, <laughs> I, I just. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to eradicate that kind of language and even even the kind of pressure that that can put on on people who are leading mm. congregational and music worship, musical worship. I think there's a lot of guys who are stepping away, young young guys who are stepping away at the moment, and I think there's like that pressure to kind of lead people into that place or to bring them to that experience or encounter and i think yeah i'd probably be the one thing i'd um you know and it, to be honest like it nearly burnt me out a couple of times you know years ago because it was just mm. that pressure of like man i've got to take people into this yeah yeah <laughs> special totally. place and um you know like and you're like i don't magically play a g chord and the holy spirit descends that doesn't that's like <laughs> that doesn't happen and i think but people, people w would say that, and I, I know a lot of guys at the moment who are struggling with that kind of thing. And so I, that's probably one thing I'd love to, I'd love to mm. see um, 
Yeah. There cool. must be there must be like so much so much pressure on on you as a worship leader. You know, cuz you you know there's sometimes when I'm guessing you've had this experience where you you know got the room and you got the one day where everyone's there. Everyone's got their hands raised and you're like, "Yeah, this is going good." And then, you know, you got the next the next service where you got one person in the back waving the flag and everyone else looks like they got their arms crossed and just staring at you. So to have that mentality of like, I'm bringing the presence of God, it must be like come with so much pressure. It must make those moments where people aren't engaging feel like a personal failure. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think I think if, they, if, you, if you feel like the responsibility is on you, do you know what I mean? And as we all know, people come on a Sunday or whenever and... Sometimes they don't want to be there, or they've had a row with the spouse, or you know. So people, like, I, I, one of the things I've loved being in my church, you know, and I've never been on staff or anything, but I've always, always led the team and stuff. One of the things I've loved is, is actually though, you can go to these places where everyone's going for it, and you know, it's a fantastic night on a Saturday, and it's like, wow, like this was amazing. And then you get mm. back to church on a Sunday morning, and it's just Ian, and it's just like, hey, everyone's arms folded. <laughs> And you kind of like, and that's been good for me, like good grounding and good, like you know, just like that's real life, isn't it? You know, and I think, it, it, I think if you if you, I think over the years you're trying to put that pressure on yourself. How am I going to get these people to do a certain thing that I think I'm supposed to do? And it is, uh, and you get a lot of guys who shout congregations, don't they? And they tell them to do things and lift your hand. <laughs> that's not my that's not my preference, but I think. <laughs> that's dangerous as well but anyway that's probably yeah. another story but <laughs> but yeah we well, just stories as well that's what this podcast is for <laughs> no exactly we'll have to get you on for a follow-up and uh <laughs> i guess i guess that's probably a really good time to kind of um bring bring the episode into land um is there is there anything any kind of last thoughts that uh, any last kind of burning thoughts you'd like to get out there before we we bring it into a close yeah, not really. I think we mentioned it before. I think like, be just whatever's in your hand, to go for that. And you know, I think we can. We want all a big stage or the lights or whatever, but you know, I think just use what's in your hand and use what God's given you and be faithful. You know, and I think I didn't touch on this, but I would say it's like any worship leaders who or people who have led worship who are a bit fed up or whatever, like, like just remember what it's all about and and about saving i think that's 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 the other thing like just saving the church saving the people it's been a massive thing for me and yeah that's awesome dude honestly like as as someone who doesn't know you personally like i've this conversation has been so so easy and like so so filled with so much like wisdom and like honestly i've like when steve was talking earlier about getting quite emotional i was as well i was like kind of sat here and i'm just thinking about what we're doing right now like you know we're hosting this podcast we're kind of conversing about like worship culture and things like that and i'm like so i know i know this but it made me really aware that like god's in this conversation right now so like mm-hmm. honestly thank you so much for today dude oh thanks for having me it's been great so i hope i haven't talked too much like <laughs> <laughs> not at all but <laughs> That's been it's, it's been so good it has been so good and um and yeah if this has to maybe this, maybe this could be a two-part or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh bro i'd 100 be up for you to come back on again yeah um, i'd love to man i'd love to yeah yeah i'd love to thanks so much definitely we look forward to a uh, deconstruction volume two 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Deconstructing Worship. We hope that you got as much from it as we did. Uh, we would absolutely love to have you all involved in these conversations. So please find us at Instagram and YouTube, both under the handle at Deconstructing Worship. And please send in any emails with any questions or anything that you would love involved uh, within any kind of future episodes. And our email is deconstructingworship at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.